Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining us now on the podcast, our friend Olin Buchanan from Texag has been covering the Aggies just about as long as anybody, so an opinion we're definitely going to have to respect. When I look at A&M this year, Olin, I think the term I want to use is cautious optimism. You know, we all saw what happened a season ago, but we all know the talent on that team, and we all know that Jimbo Fisher is a good coach, and Petrino is a good coach, and, and they've got players. So when you look at this upcoming season, are you more optimistic or are you more cautious? Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there. With cautious optimism is the right way, but if I had to pick between the two, you know, I. I think I'm more optimistic, but it's definitely, you know, if I, if I can't qualify it as cautious optimism, um, the fact is A&M, like you said, does have a lot of talent. And uh, a lot of those players from that number one recruiting class a couple years ago are ready to play now. You know, there's a, I don't care how talented you are, if you're a true freshman, you're still playing the SEC against uh, guys who are equally as talented that were equally uh, recruited that have been in, uh, SEC games and SEC development programs for sometimes two and three years. So uh, you're going to have some growing pains no matter how good you are and how talented you are. Uh, so I think with those guys being ready, um, you don't want to use the, any excuses, but you have to acknowledge that A&M had an inordinate number of injuries and just quite frankly the arrival of Bobby Petrino. All those factors, uh, I think, are uh, give you reason for optimism. I saw enough of Connor Wiegman last year to know that that's a guy with talent, that that's a guy who can be a star in the SEC. And now that he's getting all of the reps as the starter, he's the number one guy. Do you see him – I mean, when I say a step forward, I, I could see him having a big step forward this year and being a guy – because there, there's not an elite quarterback in the SEC this year. He's a guy that with the pieces around him could challenge to be an all-SEC quarterback. Do you think he's capable of taking that big of a step forward? Well, I think he can. Uh, I think he can take a, a quantum leap. I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's going to be better than KJ Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Or Will Rogers, who's been at Mississippi State forever, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think he can make uh, you know significant strides forward. I think he got better uh, as the year went on last year. Um, and quite frankly, I think they should have made the move to him earlier than they did. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have moved. Uh, moved him as a starting quarterback like midway through the year, they might have actually made it, won another game or two. So um, uh, now Jimbo Fisher will tell you that it's still an open uh, competition between he and Max Johnson, and that Max Johnson actually, this is me telling you this, uh, for what it's worth, he did have a better showing in the uh, spring game. But uh, Connor Wigman, I do think, has the, and uh, here's that, that scary word, potential, mm-hmm. uh, to be A&M's best quarterback, uh, I believe, since since Johnny Manziel. Now, that's, the bar's not that, that, that high because quarterback plays here has been, uh, has been spotty at best since, since Manziel. I, you know, they got a, one really good year out of Kellen Mond and a nice year out of Trevor Knight. But overall, quarterback play has left a lot to be desired. So, but I, I think potentially uh, he could be very good and uh, I, I expect him to be better this year than he was. You would hope he doesn't take a step back or have a sophomore jinx. When you think about Bobby Petrino, that's a guy who offensively he finds his playmakers and he gets them the ball and he puts them in position to not only make plays but make big plays. 
I thought last year that was one of A&M's big issues was that I didn't think they featured Devon A-Chain enough. I thought he should have been getting the ball you know, 30 touches a game. I don't know if he was capable of it, but that's as watching their games, that's what I thought. Who are the playmakers going to be for Texas A&M this year, and can Petrino put them in a position to shine? Yeah, I think uh, I think they have playmakers. Uh, I think I think A&M's receiving core. I hope this doesn't come off as a being all homerific here, but I think their receiving core is as good as anybody uh, as far as what they've proven to do. Uh, you know, if you've been paying attention, Nia Smith uh, has been really good here uh, for a couple of years. Now he got hurt last. year season and missed most of the year yeah. being back. Uh, Evan Stewart was a freshman All-American. Moose Muhammad, once uh, he got his feet under him after taking over for uh, Anais Smith, he, he did really well. Had a big game against LSU and that upset victory. And then the guy they, they keep lauding and talking about, the guy you probably never heard of, named Noah Thomas, who's a big 6'6", 220-pound guy. You're right. And they keep telling you. You're right. Never heard of him. special. You, you haven't heard of him? No, I have not. Right. And, and, and this is the guy that just keep going on and on about, so we'll see. Um, and, you know, the, the running backs, uh, Le'Veon Moss was a high four-star guy when they brought him in, got him out of Baton Rouge, imagine that. Wow. Uh, they're really excited about him, but nobody was going to get a lot of carries last year other than Devon A-Chain. And I'm kind of with you. They should have used him more, and that's because he was really the only offense they had. But um, – I think uh, what Bobby Petrino hopefully brings to this offense is a guy that uh, if you have a player like that, um, not only utilizing, but knows how to utilize him without the ball. As crazy as that sounds, I think yeah. A&M never used A-chain like as a decoy to try to get the ball to somebody else. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I hear guys talking this year because we don't get to go into practice, but they talked about there's more pre-snap motion, uh, more deception, uh, more scheming to get one-on-one matchups that are favorable. And quite frankly, I don't think we saw any of that from A&M last year. I think one of the things that gets lost in Texas A&M season from a season from a year ago is that the defense was actually pretty good, especially as you mentioned earlier, to have so many true freshmen out there and have so many young players contributing. That was a really pretty good defense for Texas A&M. Now they're they, they've, they're they're sort of battle hardened and seasoned and ready to play. They were a good defense a season ago. Can they be an elite defense this year? Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's the thing about last year. if you And really, all that matters is the points allowed, right? Mm-hmm. So they have averaged, I think, 22 and change, 22.2, something like that. And yet, when you look at what they did, you know, statistically, you scratch your head and say, how did they do that? Because they're, they're, everybody in Mississippi knows their running defense wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't get a pass rush. They didn't create turnovers. But they were able to keep guys, uh, you know, teams out of the end zone. And like you said, um, there was a lot of guys who were freshmen that, you know, figured to be growing up a little bit to be better. They had both of their linebackers were first year starters. They did not play well. You'd like to think that in a that a guy will be better in a second year starter. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, you know, somebody a, a, a gift from Mississippi that we really appreciate, McKinley Jackson, this yeah. half the year because of injuries, and when he played, he made a difference. And uh, Fidel Diggs, who was their only real consistent pass rusher, he missed half the year because of injury. And, you know, with McKinley and 
and Fidel back healthy and you know hopefully staying that way, uh, uh, they should be better just on that alone. So, you know, you what you're doing is you're hoping for uh, growth and improvement that typically but not always comes uh, with a year of experience. And there's some concern, I think, uh, about the secondary, but mainly it's on, on depth. If they can stay relatively uh, injury-free, then I think they have a chance to be pretty good. I think this is going to be a good A&M team. I think they'll bounce back. I think they're too talented to not have a good season. But you have to ask the question, right? What happens if it goes bad again? What if this is a 6-7 win team or, or, goodness gracious, has another season like they had a year ago? What is the end outcome of that in College Station? Well, that's the seventy-two million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Are you are you are you ready to eat seventy-two million dollars or, or something in that neighborhood? And you know, the people I talk to, the a few of the of the real big money people uh, associated with A&M says that they have the money uh, if it comes to that. Now, I don't know if they do. Now, here's what you run into though: what if you finish, like you said, seven wins, but you know you played relatively uh, competitively in some of the games you lost. Mm-hmm. And you you think if you made a, a coaching change, are you going to see a, uh, an exit, a mass exodus of all those guys from that number one recruiting class? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you want to say, okay, let's stand pat and see what's going to happen with those guys? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that uh, Jimbo Fisher's predecessor was uh, – Fired after averaging about eight wins a year for six years, and we're coming into a was six years for Jimbo Fisher. So um, he's been given every, I would think, ingredient necessary to have a uh, an elite program. You know, they're still building stuff on. They got tremendous facilities, great fan support, uh, geography, all the football players in uh, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and. Uh, uh, Houston, as well as East Texas, they're all within three hours of us. Uh, so there has to be some demands. I I would say this: if they if they have a, a another disappointing year, it would not surprise me if they made a, a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they decided to give him one year after after that, uh, then uh, I would think it, it's it's winter it's winter else. So. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell you if I think if they go say eight and five, if you'll get or seven and six, or like you said, five and seven, if you'll get five, five and seven, probably. Yeah. But I'll say this: they had better win at a high rate by t- no later than twenty twenty four, and it may be twenty twenty three. One last question, and it's not about this season at all. Are you excited that Texas A and M Texas is back on the schedule? Uh, I kind of like the uh, last few years uh, here in <laughs> Texas whining about not being able to get that game and going through the media and crying and whining about it. Um, uh, and, you know, because they needed – it just proved they needed A&M worse than A&M needed Texas because, you know, their problem is that they've done a lot of construction, want to sell season tickets and pay for stuff, and they don't have a big-time game at home because they play Oklahoma and Dallas every yeah. year. And A&M saying, look, we're playing LSU every year. We're playing uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year. We're playing Alabama and Auburn every year. And we got Notre Dame coming up on our schedule. Yeah. We played Clemson. We don't need you. Uh, but now that that it's that it's been rescheduled, 
heck yeah. You know, the, I, I think the, the prevailing uh, opinion was, hey, we enjoyed playing more national type games, non-conference, but you're going to be in the conference now. And so just come on over and let's kick your ass. <laughs> hey, Texas has a huge game in Austin next year. Mississippi State's on the schedule. We're, we're coming to see them. We'll see how that goes. You know, historically, yeah. I know this because I, I worked at the Austin American Station for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Historically, Texas hasn't had a lot of success with Mississippi State. Well, it helped that we had Jackie uh, no Sherrill over here. Whether, so, it be, you know. whether it be, whether it be uh, Texas Longhorns in Austin or uh, poor Longhorns uh, on the practice field at Mississippi State, you know, the, in Starville. They, they, they haven't done well. No, you're you're right about that. Thanks to Jackie Sherrill for that one. We, we always have that in common. Oh, if you can, from Texas. Really good stuff. Appreciate your time, sir. All right. Thanks for having me. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.